Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Kenny Liu from Midway. Um, you're listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. Tune in for more. Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal. You're my boy, Blue. Yo, Adrian. I A podcast with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah. TV. Nice. Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more. From deep inside the Man Cave, your host, Elias. Kenny, welcome to the cave. Hey, how's it going? How are you, man? What's new with you? Oh, you know, I got this uh, movie coming out called Midway. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the trailers. It looks it looks great. Yeah, it's uh, it's really exciting. Um, I mean, it's a Roland Emmerich film, and so a lot of people are expecting something like Independence Day. But he he kind of really took a different spin to this whole thing. He this is a passion project of his, um, and so he really wanted to make sure that. Um, it was authentic, and by the end, you know, we were showing it to people who were actual participants in Midway. They're like 100 years old now, and and they really connected to it, so we're happy. That's great. That's great. So really quick, I want the listeners to get to know a little bit more about you. Where are you originally from? Um, I was actually born in uh, Taipei, Taiwan, and uh, I moved to the Bay Area when I was like three months old. Oh, wow. What, what made, yes, I'm basically like American. <laughs> yeah. What made your parents uh, move here? Well, they actually, um, you know what? I never got these questions, so thank you for asking. Um, they actually moved here um, to go to graduate school, and so they went to school in Texas um, to study computer science. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. So that was actually a lot of Taiwanese immigrants came during that time uh, in the '80s um, just to pursue higher education. And then um, they wanted to settle down somewhere great, and my dad happened to find what would turn out to be Silicon Valley in California. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, if you're going for computers, that's the place to go. Yeah, for real, even though he hated it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, did, he, yeah. did he stick with it? No, actually. He, um, the only reason, you know, he was, he grown up, he was an athlete. That's all he really cared about. And he wanted to, like, work out and look good. And, um, you know, it, after he turned 30, he was like, man, you know, I have to, like, get serious about my life. And so he he had all of his family pulled together, all of their money, um, and went to uh, Texas Tech to study computer science. And he hated it. Yeah. He hated it until until the day he quit his job, like, 20 years later. <laughs> oh, wow. And then now he's a businessman. He works with his brother in, in Taiwan. Um yeah, but the, he he wanted to provide for family, so I'm I'm thankful for him for for sacrificing his his health and his happiness. Yeah. So how was it growing up in the in the Bay Area? What were you into as a kid? Uh, acting, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Uh, yeah yeah I I loved it. I was like the kid that was an actor. Um, I was like the lead of all these plays and and all kinds of stuff. And then um, and then high school rolls around and. I had the same impulse as my dad. I was like, you know, I got to get serious about my life. And on top of that, I don't know if this played anything, had anything to do with it, but I, I kind of thought, you know, like I'm Asian, uh, like I shouldn't be an actor. Like it doesn't make any sense. And so I kind of turned my back on it completely. And then um, I dove headfirst into engineering, just like my dad did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't until after I graduated from Berkeley with an engineering degree 
um, and I was working full time that I was like, you know, what? I used to love doing this as a kid. Let's audition for something on Craigslist. And that's where I got my acting career start. Wow. How did you uh, how did your parents feel about all that? Like, you know, you went to college oh. for all that. And, all, and one day you're like, oh, I'm going to go oh. go in the acting world. <laughs> <Yeah>. Horribly. Horribly. <laughs> Well, my dad, my dad, especially like he was like, you know, I, I like, you know, sponsored your college education and, and now you're turning back on your back on all this. I, I actually had to prove to them that, you know, it was something that I really wanted to do. I was working full time and, and, um, I was fortunate enough that I was making enough money to have acting be a part time thing up yeah. in the Bay area. It was all, it was all commercials and all, so it wasn't like serious stuff. Um, but then, um, yeah, after a while, like it was three or four years of doing that. You know, I was working full time doing a startup actually in Silicon Valley. So those hours are crazy. But then any second that I had, I was I was going to acting classes and going to auditions and working on projects on the weekend. And they gradually started to see, especially my dad. My my mom actually was very supportive from the beginning. She's like, um, you know, you get the impression that a lot of Asian parents are like very one way, but my mom was like completely different than that. She was like, she knew what it was like to to, you know, not want to conform to what other people want you to do. And she was like, Kenny, you got to keep doing this. Yeah. And I think without her, like, I, I would have been like, you know, I should be responsible to my parents and, you know, live out this life that is like, you know, great health insurance and a whole ton of money <laughs> right in front of you and like starting a family and all that stuff. <laughs> What's their reaction now, now that you're, you know, you're in movies and TV shows? Well, you know, um, my dad doesn't frequently go like, you know, I'm proud of you, son. Yeah. Um, but but <laughs> the the time when I know he is is when he he's like talking to his coworkers or something. He's like, hey, by the way, my son is in this. Then I know that I've made it. <laughs> so so growing up, you know, you said you, you you enjoyed acting and stuff like that. Was it also there any specific movies or TV shows that you enjoyed and that motivate you more to get into it? Um. A lot, actually, and then I'm worried that um, a lot of your listeners won't, won't know like the references to these. But I grew up on you know a lot of American television and uh, movies like Independence Day, and so that was like my favorite blockbuster of all yeah. time. Um, so it's great getting to work with Roland now. Um, but then also a lot of the movies I loved watching as a kid were were Chinese movies, okay. like like Jack Jackie Chan, who everybody knows now, and yeah. uh, Stephen Chow, who had a couple of uh, breakouts in America, um, like Kung Fu Hustle and Shaolin Soccer. I grew up on those two, you know, like my sisters and I called them like the really incredible uncle who's Jackie Chan and the really funny uncle who's Stephen Chow. And those were like my go-tos, you know, like just watching them growing up was, it was like a spe very special education um, because I got to get both sides, you know, American movies and especially they, they were actually more Hong Kong than it was like Chinese movies. Yeah. So did you enjoy like the martial arts movies as well? Oh yeah, oh yeah. for sure. Jet Li, Jackie Chan. I actually yeah. didn't get much into Bruce Lee until like much later. Yeah. Um, but then those two especially. Hmm. Do you have a favorite? You know, there's a really obscure one that nobody knows about that Jackie Chan did called City Hunter. Are you a huge movie guy? I am. I am. I mean, less now. I mean, I try, still try to get there. I have two kids now, so it's harder to get into movies. But I, oh, me, and my, me, and my, me, and my, me and my wife try to get to movies as much as we can. Oh, I know. It's, it's a good way to get the kids to like, chill out for a yeah, little while. You exactly. know, <laughs> that's, exactly. that's what my parents did for us. 
Um, but uh, there's a movie called City Hunter, and Jackie Chan. There's a there's a segment in City Hunter where Jackie Chan plays E Honda uh, and Chun Li, and I just thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And then and then back then everything was on VHS tapes. Yeah. And so I'd bring that thing over to my friend's house and be like, "You go, you guys got to see this. You don't have to watch a movie. Just watch this sequence." And um, that's how it was back then. Wow. So you got into the acting world. Do you remember your first gig? What was it? Oh, yeah. My first gig was uh, <laughs> as a Japanese pilot on the TV show Zoo. I'm not even sure if that's still around, but that was in New Orleans. Oh, wow. And it was my first TV job ever that I moved down after I moved down to L.A. And um, I remember that I got a, a local agent in New Orleans because, you know, finding auditions was hard in L.A., period. And so um, I had to have myself be hired as a local hire. And when you work as a little co-star, it's like a few lines. Um, you fly, you, I basically had to fly my ass out there and book a hotel and everything. So I ended up losing money just to get that credit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, yeah. and then on top of that, I don't even see my face. <laughs> uh, wow. So. Yeah. So that's the life. That was like, that was five years ago, you know, like it's crazy. Yeah. But, and then in five years, you know, later, you know, like I said, you're starring now in movies and like, re and a couple of years ago, you did yeah. this uh, miniseries, The Long Road exactly. Home. Tell us about that. Yeah. Oh my God. The Long Road Home is one of the most beautiful things I've ever been a part of. Um, uh, I had never done like a real life thing before that. And um, one thing that that production really wanted to get right was telling the stories and honoring the people that were a part of it. So the very first day that I was there, I got to meet all the veterans who survived. They had like a reunion or something. Yeah. And it was National Geographic that was uh, behind it. So they, they were all about accuracy. And so I got to meet all these guys that have been through hell. And I got to see it through their eyes, like as they're telling me these stories. And um, the guy that I play, his name is Sergeant Eddie Chen. Um, the, the show's already been out for two years, so I'm going to spoil this, but um, I end up passing away. And um, during during this firefight, during this ambush um, that the Long Road Home is about, and it was it was so impactful for me to it to be almost a surrogate for for Eddie because this guy was like such an important, like almost like a big brother to to these to these guys who yeah. were young and inexperienced and experiencing something as horrific as that. And and Eddie was this guy that always was a little bit older and always looked out for them, but he dies like super early in the fight, and once they lost him, they're like what's going to happen to us. And so once I landed, I'm the only Asian actor in this platoon um, or the only Asian soldier in this platoon. So right away they knew who I was. And man, they had like their, like his name tattooed on their arms still. And they were still wearing bracelets um, with his name on it saying, rest in peace, my brother, Sergeant Eddie Chen, 15 years after the fact. And it was, it really reminded me of like why these stories are important and why, you know, it, it's so important to re represent um, tell these stories for people that kind of don't have a voice, especially these veterans who, you know, we, we mine their stories to put on the big screen, yeah. but their stories don't end. Like when the battle ends, when the movie ends, they got to come back and they got to like deal, you know, they got to, they got to live a civilian life again. They got to, you know, forget these traumas and these memories that they had when they were abroad and come back and like be a father again, you know, be a lover again, be a, your brother again and it's and it's tough you know how, how did you prepare for uh 
the role? And I'm like, what kind of research did you do? Oof. We, we had, I was lucky with us. And then Martha Raddatz was behind it. She's an a- ABC correspondent and she wrote a book um, that was very factual um, and um, historically uh, prioritized, I guess, because there are a lot of, you know, hard facts. So we got to read that. Um, and then um, a friend, somebody who's now a friend of mine named Matt Fisk, um, he was one of the soldiers that was a survivor of the Long Road Home. And he wrote a book um, detailing his personal experiences on the ground. And he layered in like all the um, like the PTSD counseling um, uh, evaluations that he had afterwards. And um, and like he just kind of mixed it into this book. And so you really got a sense of like what it was like to be first hand on the ground, but also like the repercussions of it after, you know, you come, you've come home. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I got to meet the veterans. So I got to talk to a lot of them. I, I got put in touch with uh Eddie Chen's brother, Virgil, who I'm still talking with now, um, and just asking him about like what, what it was like growing up with him. Um, and, and again, like that stuff is so meaningful. You know, you can like feel good about being a part of these red carpets and all, but then like the real stuff was getting to meet these guys and, and speak to them heart to heart. Mm. What kind of uh, feedback did you get from uh, after the, after this, the miniseries aired? Um, the miniseries uh, was well-reviewed, uh, which we're really happy about. Um, Feedback-wise, I also got a lot of um, thank yous from, from the veterans because they felt like we were telling the story well. Mm. Um, and that's what I'm most proud of. Um, some of the um, not-as-positive things was that, you know, I think the, the marketing had trouble because we've seen a lot of movies and TV shows where it's like, you know, the U.S. military, the story about the U.S. military, people expect it to be one thing. Yeah. But um, this story was, was different, but I, I didn't feel like the marketing really captured that. You know, like Miko Alon, who is our executive producer, is like this vegan, card-carrying, like LGBTQ um, man was like a fierce proponent, like advocate of like, you know, um, liberal um, uh, social issues. And he, he was the head of this, production where you know he was hand in hand with a lot of these guys who you know are super texan or super like um just former military people and it was it was just like a combining of 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 the whole political spectrum that i thought was really really beautiful because then they they saw eye to eye on on how they wanted this thing to be portrayed and, and it gave me the sense that you know it wasn't going to be another one of those shows that you know, kind of preyed on people's like patriotism or nationalism to to get like a good story out there. Mm. And so I, I was I was very proud of of them being able to work together. Um, and they're still in touch now. You know, like they're, they're still great friends. And yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I actually want to take a second since we're in the Long Road Home to plug uh, Matt Fisk. Um, I'm actually a spokesperson for his organization, um, Lancer Legacy Ranch. So he, you know, after he came back from Iraq. Um, he spent about 10 years in just the worst kind of hell that you can imagine. And he, recently he was able to dig himself out of it. And now he's got a family. Um, but he also started this organization called Lancer Legacy Ranch, which is basically a home for homeless veterans. Um, it's in Maude, Texas. And if, you know, you serve in any tour of duty, like you can go there and, and live. You, you take care of like the facility and like the ranch that you guys live on. And um, there's like, painting classes and everybody's like hanging out and stuff but then you can also have uh, legal counseling ptsd counseling uh career counseling 
um, basically to get you back on your feet again. Um, so I just wanted to plug that really quick. Have you have you been there too? Have you gone there to visit? I'm actually visiting. Yeah, yeah. I well, I just started um, after Midway was coming out. I was like, hey Matt, like it would be great if this Midway's a World War II movie also, yeah. or is a you know military World veteran War. commemoration movie. Um, so I wanted to be a spokesperson. I want to use this platform for for you. Um, and he was like, great. And then this was like two weeks ago. Um, and I'm actually planning to visit, um, the ranch over the holidays, uh, December 21st. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm about to, I'm about to. So speaking of Midway, uh, so tell us about that movie and how did you get approached for the role? Um, I actually didn't get approached. I, um, I auditioned for it. Okay. Um, yeah. So then I had to go through a couple of auditions to, to get there. There was a self tape and then there was a callback. And then after that, they were like, want to go to Hawaii? I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so maybe it had something to do with the long road home because they saw that, you know, I, I was a part of an authentic story. Um, um, yeah. What was the first part of your question again? Uh, so t- uh, tell us a little bit about the movie. Oh yeah. Midway is a world war two movie. Um, basically chronicling the events that led up to the battle of Midway as well as the battle of Midway itself. Um, it's important because that was the turning point for the U.S. and its war against Japan. Um, for the longest time um, during World War II, we were on our haunches because Japan ambushed us um, at Pearl Harbor. And it took a series of miracles for us to um, turn the tide of the war. And midway was that was when um, we basically lured them into a trap because our code breakers were able to get us information that the uh, Japanese didn't know that we had. Um, so Midway itself is a historically accurate retelling of all that. And what's great is that Roland is, I mean, just a action genius. And he put together this film that really captured what it was like to be a pilot back then. I mean, the Air Force had just been created and aircraft carriers had just been invented. And the bravery that these guys had to go through to like fly these planes and try to land in the middle of the ocean on this tiny strip of a ship when the wind's blowing, man, more guys died landing than they got shot down. You know, Jeez. like it was, it was that crazy. Yeah. Uh, tell us about your character that you're playing on the movie. Um, my character's name is Chu Xuesan and he's this Chinese like school teacher in the middle of nowhere who manages to save um, Captain Doolittle, who's one of the most famous American pilots at the time um, after he led the Doolittle raids which was a raid on Tokyo in retaliation for Pearl Harbor. It was like completely militarily ineffective, but the Doolittle raids was a suicide mission to bomb Tokyo and show them that, hey, we can still punch back. But then all the men who were sent there had no fuel to fly back home, so they had to crash land in China. And so Doolittle crash lands in China. He was about to get executed by the Chinese army because he didn't speak any Chinese, and they thought he was a German spy. And Zhu Xuesan comes out of nowhere and, and says, hey, um, I, I speak a little bit of English. Let me let me just like insert myself in here and, and like translate. And um, he does. And um, he gets Doolittle, saves Doolittle's life and his men's life, um, nurse them back to health, bring them back to U.S. territory. And then Doolittle goes right back into fighting World War II against the Japanese. Wow. Um, it's a it's a crazy story, because 
growing up in America, I'd never heard about this. And then I had to do a lot of research in Chinese. Um, and then suddenly there's books and books and books about this guy who became like lifelong friends with Doolittle. They had like reunions every single year because of the impact that they, that, you know, like the um, brotherhood that they experienced, yeah. like getting out of China. And I never heard about it, you know? And so, so that to me is like why it's so meaningful to, to play this part. How was it working with the cast of the movie? Oh, great. I mean, I got to work with Aaron Eckhart for like a week um, in Hawaii. Uh, and he's, I mean, he's incredible. He's, he's been like a star for, I don't know how many decades. I've known him since, you know, he played, he was in Batman. Um, and just watching the way he worked, um, I learned a lot that, you know, you'd never learn in any acting school or get through any acting coach ever. Just watching the way he thinks and the way he communicates to the director and the way he works with a camera um, was such an honor. Mm-hmm. And then, and then Roland was like, I mean, he's so experienced. He's like, he like knows exactly what he wants. And then, so you better, you know, cat, you better keep up. <laughs> um, yeah, because he would he would make some kind of adjustment, and you know you better be ready for it because there's going to be some camera zooming in on your face for like ten seconds, and then he changes the line, and then he's like, okay, do that, but stay here for five seconds and take two steps over here, and stay here for three seconds, and then turn your head. <laughs> you know, yeah. you have to adjust like in the moment with like three hundred people waiting on you. And you got some big names in the in the movie also, Woody Harrelson, Mandy Moore. Yeah. Yeah, um, Nick Jonas, Luke Evans, um, Ed Scrain, who I who I loved in this movie. A lot of people. Yeah. When is the When is the premiere for the movie? When's it coming out? Uh, November eighth, this Friday. So tomorrow. All right. Um, also, you've uh, I did a little research on you. Uh, Dragon Ball Z, huh? Huge. Uh, there's fans oh, out there yeah. that that love you on that. What's uh? Tell us about that. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Are you, have you watched Dragon Ball Z or your kids watch Dragon Ball? No, my kids are young, but you know, I grew up during that area. I mean, I wasn't really into it as much as I think my brother mm-hmm. was more into it. <laughs> it's, it's so crazy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was so fun. That was like, I first arrived in LA, so I didn't really, um, have any credits, but then there was this fan film, um, that was just on YouTube that about 27 million views and they wanted from that they were like let's shoot like a bigger budget type thing and so then they did auditions for you know like serious actors i guess because they did it with stunt people before and then um i got the lead role um i got to play gohan and um yeah it came out and then we got to 10 million views before youtube was like oh this looks too much like a copyright infringement thing and they took us down and then we fought it, and then they were like, oh, you're right, but they didn't give us back the numbers, and so we just put it up back up again like last year, and it's back up to like $4 million or something. Um, but it's so incredible. I mean, like, it's anybody who's like an anime fan, or especially Dragon Ball Z, who are people, the fans are just zealous about it. Um, it's, it's incredible. I get recognized everywhere for it. I was, I was working in Brazil, like, um, just last month, and then all the stunt people were like, "Holy crap, you're you're Gohan!" <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just never, you just never expected. And what was, you know, what's really crazy is that we went to a lot of conventions, and I thought that growing up, I thought it was like an Asian thing. I thought it was like a secret that only like you know Asian people knew about because it's you know it's an anime. But it didn't matter what color you were, what cultural background you came from, what age you were. 
people were like huge fans of Dragon Ball. Wow. Like there was no pattern at all. And that was so stunning for me to see. And it just made the world a little bit smaller. Mm. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. And I did, I did notice about the, the views on YouTube and I actually did a little more research yeah. on that. And it was like, at one point it was like a, like a top trending video on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So then it just took the wind out of the sails of the, the team that did it. They're, uh, their name is Robot Underdog, and it's just a wife and husband team. Yeah. And they're they're people of color, but they don't have they didn't have this as their full time job. This is all part time. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they they did it as a fan film, and they spent two years of their life working on it, like eighteen hour days. You know, and and to have YouTube pull it like that was, was so demoralizing. And so so we're still hoping that you know somebody out of somewhere, especially if I can get like famous enough. To, to fund like a full a full thing because yeah. based on our feedback people were like man finally they did this right Hollywood pay attention you know like because Dragon Ball Evolution was such a travesty that everybody's really disappointed but then they were like you got to fund these guys and and give them a shot like just one million dollars we had we had forty thousand and we made a forty like a thirty five minute long film that yeah. people were like holy crap this is great you know so it's just it's just asking to be to be funded and that was two years ago so we're still we're still hoping so i do you like a dream role that you want to play someday oh yeah yeah there's there's a lot um i love that you know there's there's a lot more diverse stories coming out now and the world is in front of me now because there's a lot of stories just like jufria sands and just like eddie chen who are real people that um that had a part in the world stage or American history that that I want to that I want to to capture. Um, I've actually got a film coming out next year um, that I'm the lead of called A Shot Through the Wall, and it's inspired by the real life case of uh, in New York City in 2015. There was an Asian American cop who um, shoots and kills a black man, um, but in his case, it truly was an accident. It was like he was on patrol in a in like the projects, and he goes into this stairwell with the lights like blacked out and he hears a noise he freaks out he accidentally discharges his pistol into a wall and then the bullet ricochets itself down a flight of stairs and hits this black man in the heart and he dies wow. and he gets indicted by a grand jury and it's the only time a cop has ever been indicted by a grand jury and so um the american asian american community in 2015 was like you guys just threw this asian guy under the bus and the black community, especially at the time, was like, you got to stop killing us. And then the cops are like, you know, we're trying to do our best and we're just, we're the good guys here. And it's like these tectonic plates, like smashing into each other. And it's a very American story, you know, like all these different perspectives and voices just trying to get by and trying to express themselves, you know, like um, it's a, it's a really, really um, heavy drama. Wow. <laughs> Um, when, and that's, that's when is that supposed to come out? I want to tell. When is that uh, next year sometime? We're, okay. we're still not sure. Okay. Do you, yeah. Uh, any, yeah, yeah. Any other projects that you're working on? Um, I just came back from Brazil. Uh, Yakuza Princess is a comic book adaptation. Um, and uh, my wife actually is the star of that show. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a really great like um, action. Um, action movie that I got myself pulled into because 
my wife's a singer songwriter. Her name is Masumi. And, um, she just started acting because of me. And <laughs> this is her first role ever. She books wow. it and she becomes a star of this movie. And then I go there with like my hat on, like low key, just trying to be her personal assistant because it's a lot of stress being the lead of a movie. And I just went there to rub her back and to hold her coffee. Um, but then they, they're like, wait a minute, who are you? And, and they end up casting me in this role <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> well, that's great. Yeah. Do you have scenes with her? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. All my scenes are actually with her. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I got to... And get this, we just got married two days before we left for Brazil. Oh, wow. So this was like the perfect honeymoon gift. <laughs> like I got to act with her, fight with her. I got to um, choreograph a fight with her. And all that, it was, it was the most, it was like the most special thing that's ever happened to me. That's great. That's great. Uh, lastly, how can the listeners find you on social media? Where are you active on? Um, I'm active on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find me at the Kenny Lou. Um, I'm, I, I've been posting a lot, especially with Midway. So, um, and I, and I respond to the comments as well. That's great. Kenny, thank you for coming on. This was fun. Hey, thank you so much. It was very nice meeting you. Who's this kid? He didn't think he could cut it. I figured it was just the usual jitters. I take him under my wing. He was wanting to be scared. Harbor is the greatest intelligence failure in American history. This can never happen again. I want to make it right. At least some of the boys still want to fight. The Japanese are planning something bigger. So what's the target? We believe it's Midway. Washington disagrees. Washington is wrong. If we lose, then Japanese own the West Coast, Seattle, San Francisco, Los Angeles will burn. We got the order to launch. We need to throw a punch so they know what it feels like to be hit. We're talking about a couple dozen planes. It's all Japanese fleet. This isn't a fair fight. I don't know how to lead these men. They'll follow you anywhere. If you know that you came through, when people are counting on you, you'll be able to face anything.